What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. The NBA offseason is over. The Hardwood Knox podcast is not. This is Adam Frommel here with Dan Favalli and Andy Bailey. We get to talk about back basketball that is actually happening, as opposed to doing all of our season previews that we're sure you enjoyed anyway. So we're about a week into the season when we're recording this. A lot has happened. The Golden State Warriors don't appear to be dropping off at all. Steph Curry is basically lighting the world on fire. Um, at this point, we're kind of seeing which of our predictions are starting to be validated, which teams we're, we're most off on. That's kind of where I wanted to start things, is just by discussing which preseason predictions we are now feeling the most weak about. That's tough. I don't know exactly. I should have written down. We should have written down somewhere where we had all these teams pegged in terms of number of wins. If I'm going to be like... If I'm going to be straight up, I, I kind of regret not predicting that the Warriors were going to top 70. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. He wins at this point. <laughs> Wait, they're, they're, they're brutalizing teams. You think their game against the Clippers the other night probably would have been a blowout if Steph doesn't get those two inexplicable early fouls. Those were I, both bad calls. I think we could all agree on that. Yeah. The second one was worse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like whatever, but the second one was terrible. Absolutely. I think that I thoroughly underestimated them. Um, one that came to mind 
as Dan was talking, though, was the Rockets. And I don't think we're alone in uh, maybe overrating them before the season. It's really early, so maybe those first three losses in hindsight aren't going to mean anything in a few months. But <laughs> to lose each of your first three games by 20 is pretty bad. If you're a team that's supposed to be competing, a lot of people think for a title – you you don't just come out and lay three straight eggs like that. So I think there's definitely some concern there that I didn't have coming into the season. I mean, they just haven't just been bad. They've been horrible. Like, we cannot overstate how bad they were in those losses. And and it's always going to come down to Harden, right? Because he, he had just terrible shooting percentages and was jacking up shots left and right throughout those losses. And it's a little bit concerning to me that you always see – the great players, you know, Steph Curry, LeBron James, just to use those two examples, every offseason they come back and it's pretty clear they've worked on something new and they've added a new element to their game. And with Harden, I'm not sure I see that. He's not trying on defense. He's taking the same shots that he's always taken and his handle doesn't even look that crisp right now. He, he's sort of like the, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. He's sort of like the guard version of Carmelo Anthony. In my eyes, just because, yeah, he's definitely a better passer, but Melo was never a guard. It just seems that he's that one-dimensional, this is what you're going to get from him every year. It's not really going to change, and yes, he can carry you offensively, but after that, it's really tough. Yeah, no, I think that's totally valid, and that's probably not what the Rockets want to hear since the narrative with Melo recently seems to be that he's he's the guy who you're not going to win a title with if he's your franchise centerpiece. Right. I, hopefully you go about building around Harden smarter, and I think the Rockets have. The interesting thing for me is when I'm watching them, and I've, we're watching them with Dwight Howard and without Dwight Howard, I'm just convinced they're going to outgrow Dwight Howard by the end of this season. I just don't think he brings enough to the table anymore. Their defense can be okay, uh, even great without him. You look at what Clint Capella does. Hopefully you get Terrence Jones healthy because he can play some center too. And I understand he will help them defensively. I'm not trying to say he's a minus, but when you look at what they could do in the offseason or what their needs are right now, this is a team that's really dependent on shooting and a team that can't shoot at the moment. It just seems like they're outgrowing him quickly. I uh, Did you guys see the report from, it might have been the Houston Chronicle today, about Daryl Morey wanting to go after Kevin Durant this summer? I pegged them as the biggest threat to the Oklahoma City Thunder like months ago, just FYI oh, really? for both of you. I just thought I, it was well, funny. Yeah, that, I'm totally on board with that. I think there was a line in there that said it would be the greatest big three of all time. Um, so that obviously... Wow, they must really be high on Clint Capella. <laughs> I was going to say, that kind of goes in the face of what Dan was just saying. Obviously, that particular writer thinks Dwight Howard's a part of their future. I get what you're saying, though. Uh, there's... I think there's a lot of reason to believe that he might not necessarily be a part of the core in a couple of years. Uh, he, if he, Durant is going to be out. a part of it, then absolutely keep Harden because then you don't need any offense from him at all. You mean Howard, If you have right? Harden and Durant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then absolutely keep him. I'm just more about it's not even, again, it's not about what he does to them offensively necessarily, but I guess that's a good point. If you're going to throw Kevin Durant – next to Harden. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter what Howard does on the offensive end, but just with the injuries and his post game is never developed and he still seems averse 
to running pick and rolls incessantly, which I just don't like. And you do need someone to set screens for Durant and Harden. I'm all about them going off and just maxing out Myers Leonard this summer. Just get him and Durant and form that big three. Were were we off on Myers Leonard, by the way? He's been pretty bad. I, so I think far. that it's I think a, it's a couple things are working against him. There's apparently some numbness in his left hand yeah, I d- I that didn't he's kind of refusing to use as an excuse, but that probably matters a little bit. And yeah. then part of it is just that he his mechanics are still just a little bit too slow. Mm-hmm. And now that he's in a bit more of a featured role, I think that that's becoming a bit more clear. But I, it's it feels way too early because I know all three of us were really high on him. Yeah, and I I, I feel pretty strongly he's going to bounce back. Also, I think we could put the way too early. Still, right? He's still been. He's when I checked a couple days ago, he was allowing forty-one point three percent shooting at the rim, and facing like six attempts per game in like twenty-two minutes. That's my boy. I, that's really good, and that's exactly what they need from him while this backcourt is going off. I mean, they have the top scoring backcourt yeah. in the league so far. I was just and this was actually my answer for that. the one we missed on the most because Portland actually feels like a legit team to me, and I, th- I think I thought that they were going to drop all the way down to the bottom of the West. doesn't appear that way at all now. Yeah, I watched them pretty closely last night because they played the Jazz, and they spanked the Jazz. Uh, they Utah came into the game giving up 85 points per 100 possessions, and I think, I think Portland was like 116 offensive rating last night. And it was, it was Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Like you said, Adam, they're the highest scoring backcourt in the NBA, and they were incredible. And uh, they were hitting tough shots, but they were also creating good looks for themselves too against a solid defense. And I don't. Utah's a really good defensive team, and if they can do that to Utah, I think they can do that to a lot of teams in the Western Conference. Especially as these young guys continue to develop, and even when they get back, someone like Gerald Henderson. I mean, he's not really a game-changing presence at this point of his career, really, ever. But just having him, he, he plays a lot differently than McCollum does and a lot differently than Lillard does. And having that, that change of pace guard is going to help them as well. Yeah, we, we clearly underestimated them. I don't know what they're going to become again. We're not even like seven games into the season right now, but their offense has been a lot better than I expected it to be. And they've done some nice things on the defensive end, but without Henderson, it's been a blessing in disguise for CJ McCollum. Cause I wonder how Terry Stotts would have ran the rotation, you know, with that three headed monster, it certainly would have eaten into his playing time a bit. So you have to think that his breakout right now, you know, it's a symptom of that to an extent, but I'm, this team is already exciting, more exciting than I think any of us could have predicted. I Speaking of that, breakouts, though, go ahead, Adam. I was going to say it's oh, awesome that I'm now, Stotts doesn't really he doesn't really have a choice now after seeing what McCollum's done for these first few games like you can't you can't give some of those minutes to Henderson when he comes back you can work Henderson into the rotation in other ways but McCollum and Lillard is obviously your one-two punch anyway go ahead absolutely yeah I was gonna say speaking of breakouts how do we feel about Bradley Beal and this is a guy who scored what 100 points in his first four games he hit a great game-winning shot against the Spurs where he just Jukes Lamarcus Aldridge out of his shoes with a little pump with a little uh, jab step, and he looks great. I mean, talk about playing with confidence. I I feel like we've been waiting for this from Beal for two or three years now, at least two. And I think the biggest thing for him is Randy Whitman finally embracing new modern offense. He he finally realized I have John Wall and Bradley Beal on my team. Maybe I should run. Maybe I should shoot threes. 
and it's had an awesome impact on the whole team. But like you said, specifically on Beal, I, I don't know what he's averaging specifically off the top of my head. I think it's around 25. Um, I was watching that game for a little bit last night against the Spurs, and he hit a dribble pull-up three in transition. He was going full speed, stopped on a dime, like a foot outside the line, and just raised up perfect form. He wasn't leaning any direction or anything. It was amazing. Didn't even hit the rim when it went in. He's an amazing shooter. I think he's a perfect player for this era, and I love that his coach <laughs> is now coaching in this era too. Well, the other thing with him too is he's always had a really bad shot selection, and I'm not sure if running a more small ball style of offense has encouraged him to – it certainly helps him get to the paint a little bit easier, so you're cutting out mid-range Jays there, but he's smarter with his three-point attempts. You can see him do – you know, you, you call it like – the Spurs thing or, or the Kevin Love thing where you get the ball and if you're just inside the arc, like you take that dribble back to shoot the three. And he never used to do that. And he's doing that as well. So he's also just gotten smarter. I, I know shot selection was a focus of his over the off season, but it certainly does help that the Wizards are running now. Again, he has that extra space to create and he's just been phenomenal. Let's also not forget that he's chasing that max contract at the end of uh, mm-hmm. this season's rainbow as well. Absolutely, yeah. Peel was one of the players I thought was among the most overrated in the league heading into this year just because it had been nothing but stagnation for the last couple of years, like Andy said earlier. And just to see that total mentality shift and that happen while he's playing in a system that's more suited towards making him look good, the Wizards look dangerous now. I mean, I, I don't think John Wall has really hit his stride, but with Beal covering for him like this, it doesn't even matter. No, I totally agree with you, and, and I would think at this point, maybe with the exception of the Raptors, if you're going to try and pinpoint who who looks like the biggest threat to the Cavs, it might be the Wizards. I know we're pretty quick to name the Hawks there, but the Wizards, again, just seemed like of any team right now, even based on what we've seen from the Hawks early, they look like one of the more well-balanced teams in the East, and that could put them right there, where we sort of assume number two is the Hawks is to lose. That could put them right there. I liked the Raptors better than them heading into the year, but after just watching, even though Toronto's record is better, you really have to like what the Wizards have put together. I actually, I like the Raptors a lot after what I've seen. And Adam and I went on a five to ten minute rant about DeMar DeRozan in that season preview. And his shot selection hasn't been great, but one thing that he has been doing really well is drawing uh, fouls. And he's getting to the line a lot. So even though... He's missing a lot of bad jumpers. He's kind of making up for it on the back end with free throws. And all those those role players that they added over the summer, like Damari Carroll, Luis Scola, Corey Joseph, all those guys have fit in seamlessly. And suddenly they look like a real threat for the number two seed too. I think that that spot in the East is going to be really competitive this year. Okay, I'm just going to disagree with both of you guys, and my Atlanta Hawks fandom is going to be showing here, but the Hawks have looked really good. Yeah, they have. I mean, this is a team that won 60 games, and the biggest, really the only concern with them, aside from like players taking uh, a little bit of regression, was losing Damari Carroll, and Kent Bazemore has stepped in and looked absolutely fantastic. I just He's added lighting it up fantasy. from downtown. Yeah, as you should. I mean, ride it while it's hot. He's lighting it up from downtown. He looks engaged on defense. He's making good decisions on offense, which 
wasn't really true last year. They've had pleasant surprises like Lamar Patterson. Justin Holiday has looked good when he's gotten on the court. And they've replaced Carroll really well. And this has all happened while Kyle Korver has struggled massively mm-hmm. with his shot. And part of that is because he's still working his way back from the offseason ankle surgery. And when he gets it going, this team gets even more dangerous. There's so much to like about this team. And they look just as good on defense, which was really their calling card, even though we all talked about their ball movement and shooting last year. Like, I, I, I don't think that that we should have any team as the favorite except for the Hawks for that number two seed right now because they were there last year and they have looked better than the Raptors and Wizards, as impressive as both of those teams have been. They did drop, didn't I, they lose by double digits to the Pistons, though? Yeah, Who and that you, home opener, they couldn't get anything. Yeah, and I mean, the Pistons have been good. They're 3-1, and one, but we were talking before the broadcast that those numbers, or at least their record, isn't really consistent with the way that they've played. Um, it's I, almost I mean, deja vu, too, because the Hawks dropped a stinker in their first game last season as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm kind of nitpicking, and we're only four or five games in, so that's that's maybe putting too much stock into one loss. And I, I mean, I really with, don't think I'm being a homer here. Like, no, I don't. When I'm, I say this. I'm not. You're definitely being a homer. It's out <laughs> of control. No, I just, with the sample size we're working with, I just think the race for that number two is, two seed is going to be closer than we think. Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty again, open it's, right like now. You said, yeah, it can still be the Hawks to lose, and they've, they've looked good for the most part. I mean, I didn't like what they did against the Pistons in their win over the Knicks. They came on sort of late, but I didn't like a lot of the stuff they were running early on. Maybe it's just a matter of them hitting their stride, but they haven't done anything to make me think that the Raptors or the Wizards can't sort of wedge in on their territory just yet. Still a great basketball team, again, especially when you look at the rest of the East, but it, it would be I'd be remiss if I didn't throw the Wizards and Raptors right there with them right now. I'm okay if we say it's an open competition as long as we're saying the Hawks are still the, the favorite for it. Maybe not prohibitive, but at least the favorite. I don't know if I can do it. Moving on. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Um, who's been the worst team in the NBA so far? Is that even a question right now? Most disappointing or just straight just up worst? worst? Because I think there's there's at least I think two it's the same the answer for both. Head. Oh, okay. Uh, well, let's hear that. Oh, then. really? I know what I was going to say, but let's hear that. I think it's got to be the Pelicans. They've been absolutely <laughs> atrocious so far. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis doesn't look like he really cares that much. He's not hitting anything. They're wholly uncomfortable in this new offensive system that Alvin Gentry is trying to run. And everything has just gone awry for that team. They're, I mean, granted, they're plagued by injuries. They still have no idea how they're going to incorporate Drew Holiday. And a lot of this is a small sample fluke. But if we're talking about who's been the worst team so far, I don't think it's even any question. Well, I, I, I would agree with you on most disappointing say. there. But I, I was thinking yeah. of somebody else for worse. I want to hear what Dan had to say, though. Most disappointing is certainly the Pelicans. And I think, if just to go on that for a second, they're really paying for rushing this rebuild around Anthony Davis. They had no business sort of going out and the Drew Holiday trade, whatever, that's really bad luck because he didn't have that injury history when they got him. Why are you giving up a first round pick for Omir Ashik? Why did you bring in Tyreek Evans when Eric Gordon was already there? It's just these series of moves that might have padded their win column with a couple of extra victories over the past couple years, but it probably cost them a a high-end prospect they could have paired with Davis money they could have spent in free agency, and they did it all just so they could be mediocre, and now you're looking at an 0-4 start. It's, it's 
true that now that they could miss the playoffs. To me, though, they haven't been the worst. They've looked bad, but you look at what the Los Angeles Lakers yep. <laughs> are doing, and they disgust. And it's it's absolutely just gross. It's not even just the way they're playing. It's the things they're putting a priority on. Hey, it's great that Kobe's finally learning to shoot more threes. Why does he lead this team in usage rate still? Why is D'Angelo Russell averaging fewer minutes than him? See, Why are they still so invested in his swan song when it means nothing? And Byron Scott is just encouraging it. He came out the other day, and while this might not have been what he meant, he said, I'm not necessarily thinking about developing players. Oh, good, because then what are you playing for? The, that franchise is bat crap crazy at the moment, and to watch it and to know what's going on is absolutely despicable. I think that the Lakers are absolutely the most mismanaged and misguided team out there, but I don't think that makes them the worst. They haven't been playing the worst basketball. Do you know what their offensive rating is so far, either of you? Um, I Just would a guess 105. I don't know. The ratings, the ratings right now are sort of screwed up early. Andy is exactly like, right. The top 10. Oh. Andy's exactly right. It's 105. They're number seven in the league. And they've been atrocious on defense, but they've actually put together a working offense because as bad as Kobe has been, the other guys have looked pretty solid. Um, they're like riding the back of Jordan Clarkson and Lou Williams' hot streaks right Fine, now. Fine, and they're still out. <laughs> and they're still out playing the Pelicans so far. No way! If you threw these two teams together, the Pelicans would destroy them. You want to go most disappointing with the Pelicans? That's absolutely fine. The Lakers look like the worst team in basketball at the moment, and perhaps the mismanagement going on behind the scenes and on the sidelines is contributing to how I'm viewing this. But they've been absolutely awful. And you have to look at the schedules. The Pelicans have played the Warriors. Yeah, they played the Warriors. Which isn't yeah. helping and that's tough. And that'll yeah, destroy yeah. your net ratings. Scary. I was hoping no one would bring that up. <laughs> My conspiracy theory on the Lakers is that this is Mitch Kupchak is actually really smart and this is all just a genius tank move over the last two years to keep that top three pick that they got coming this summer. Because they, I actually, they I are going to be in the hunt for the Dan. top pick. The other day I said to Dan, what if Kobe is way smarter than we give him credit for and he's just <laughs> he's taking in on all it? of this heat. <laughs> yeah, he's totally in on it. He's taking all these ridiculous shots. He's he knows he's going to miss them. And he's willing to sacrifice all of this and let the media focus the full brunt of the attention on oh him so gosh, that the young guys awesome. can learn without stress. Somebody Still going to get that. that top three pick. I'm totally – I'm on board, I guess, with what Andy's saying. Like, I could picture Mitch Kepchuk doing this on purpose and not telling Kobe. There's no yeah. way Kobe volunteers <laughs> to do this. a little oh, bit course. more likely. It's fun to think about. Lakers are probably just telling him, like, listen, we believe we can tend for a championship this year if you can just be like yourself from five years ago. And he probably buys it to that crud. Until the other night when he says, I freaking suck, which I don't believe he believed for a second. No. He was no. Just Byron Scott's out there media. telling him that they need him to drop 60. Oh, my God. He's yeah. like, somebody I need was, you to go full will tonight. Somebody was, it was, I wasn't even a part of this argument. It was two guys arguing on my timeline for like an hour today that my name is just attached <laughs> to everyone because I started it, you know. Um, this guy was defending Byron Scott to the death, no matter what. And the other dude was really smart. He was throwing like... Really great points about Byron Scott's coaching, like his record without Jason Kidd, um, his issues that he's had with point guards over the years, just a ton of stuff that he's done wrong. And there are still Lakers fans out there who think that like Byron Scott is the guy for the job. I don't, it blows my mind. There are also Lakers fans out there who think they're going to make the playoffs. Not anymore. Surely that's got to be out the door. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm not sure, honestly. There was plenty of them before the season. It 
it's amazing how, and I don't know if it's because the Lakers are, they've only been really bad recently, but they're pretty delusional. Like they really it, are. It's pre- I, again, I don't want to paint uh, all the Lakers fans with one brush, but they're pretty bad when, when you just look at them in general. And how you look at this team and could think they'd make the playoffs, I personally didn't think they'd be the worst team in the Western Conference when we first had the podcast about their season preview. But, you know, the way Andy's talking, like, yeah, they're going to be right in line to keep that top three pick this year, it looks like. Ben like, Simmons. It's their savior. Did, did we all think Minnesota was going to be the worst in the West? I said the Lakers. I remember that specifically. Kudos to you. I hope we didn't pick the Timberwolves. We might have, though, Adam. I think we did. We might have. They they actually look pretty good. Carl Anthony Car- Towns, yep. man. What a stud. He is a lot better well, than what I about, thought he'd be. Uh, did least you guys see right the tweet, away. though? Did you guys see the tweet from uh, Coach Thorpe, I think he calls himself, the other day, where he uh-uh. said he's seen enough from Carl Anthony Towns to know that he has more upside than Anthony oh, Davis? I did see that. That that caused quite an uproar across basketball Twitter. Can we just can we just move on? <laughs> can we yeah. not even give that a second? Five games, or they um, haven't even played five games. No, it's it that didn't. that's that was just dumb. <laughs> um, no sugarcoating there. Who? So who's getting the Nets pick this year? Is it the Celtics? It is mm-hmm. unprotected. That's why Bill Simmons that's tweets the got- Nets record after every yeah. loss. Yeah, I mean they might get Ben Simmons. <laughs> I they can wait add for him, him to their front court log jam. Yeah, they're gonna have to yeah. move two or three or Everybody. four of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, but Danny Ainge is probably gonna trade that pick for like six more future first rounders. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Speaking of teams that maybe Speaking are a little teams, disappointing, I don't think the Celtics are as good as people thought they'd be. Give it time, though. Yeah. I never I'm thought it would work it out. Be that great. Yeah, Adam, Adam, the Adam had Indiana in the whole time. Yep, Indiana's not making the playoffs. That that that's cute, <laughs> but um, not going to happen. Yeah, I look like I'm going to be like a fool with the Celtics. I think I had them around like, oh, they could win 47, 48, and be that almost fifty win team. Yeah, that's no. that's going to be a little ridiculous. <laughs> I and had them at eight. I'm not willing to throw that out yet. Oh, I don't. It I still, it's so early. Yeah. That Eastern Conference middle class is even more crazy than I think we initially envisioned. Now that we're really starting to see the full weight of it, on any given night, it looks like the Magic, Hornets, Celtics, Bucks, Pacers, Knicks, or Heat could be in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I mean, wide can, open. can we give the East a little bit of credit here because they are improved? I mean, there there are what thirteen teams that we can legitimately see making the playoffs, or probably twelve. I don't want to include the Hornets yet. Yeah, I'll gladly give you that. I think the East has taken a step forward for sure. In Eastern Conference speak, yeah, against their normal standards. Hey, we have to um, trade them on a curve. <laughs> <laughs> um, is anyone else disappointed in Oklahoma City at the moment? Uh, the Thunder's bit. offense looks really – it's still efficient, and it looks fun at times. You can see a lot of those you know, double pick and rolls and all those multi-screen sets that Donovan likes to run. But I feel like the Thunder just go through these frequent scoring lulls that aren't okay for a team with as much offensive talent as they have. I guess I just don't feel like Durant and Westbrook have figured out how to coexist again yet. And I'm not saying there are any like chemistry issues or anything like that, but they did have to figure out how they were going to work together before all the injuries. And now Durant is coming back to a team that just had Westbrook win the scoring title. So I think that there's still a little bit too much give and take, almost like we saw with LeBron and Dwayne Wade, 
when LeBron first went to Miami in 2010. I think it's a pretty similar situation to that where they, they have to figure out how to work together and not just take turns going out of defense. They're, I think a big problem could be on the other end, too. Because like, I think coming into tonight, they had the second best offense in the league in terms of offensive rating. Um, and Durant Again, and Westbrook are both averaging 30. But I, I mean, I get what you guys are saying about the offense, but the big reason they're losing is they're giving up a lot of points. I think I think Serge Ibaka has uh, drifted too far from the rim in the last couple of seasons on both ends of the floor. I Ennis Kanter hasn't killed their defense as much as I thought he would, but he's certainly not helping it. Give it time. Uh, yeah. Dion Waiters is hurting, I think, on that end. And Andre Roberson, who's supposed to be like the new Thabo Cephalosh, who's just in there for defense, I don't really know what he's adding at all. I don't, I don't know if you guys agree with any of that, but I think defense is going to be a, an issue for him. No, I could definitely see where you're going with all that. It's, it's sort of crazy, though, to think, like, what if they're not that, you know, top three conference team still? What if this is just a bunch of season-long identity issues where you have so many moving parts here? You have Westbrook and Durant learning to play alongside each other w- once again. You have Durant playing with all these guys like Cantor that he really didn't get an opportunity to play with last year. The same going for Dion Waiters. And, and they can't afford to get off to a bad start because if they don't finish in the top three of the conference, do you really see them making it out of the first round? And if they don't make it out of the first round, how do you see Durant going back to that? They can't change this team, barring a complete like trade overhaul, which they're really not in a position to make given all those contracts that are on the docket right now. They really need this season to be great. And it just looks like, again, even though the offense is statistic, uh, statistically fine, you look at their poor defense, you look at the scoring droughts they still go through on the offensive end, you look at some of the games these lo- they've lost, and you just can't help but wonder, is this the same team from a couple years ago? I... Even if they, this isn't going to happen, but even if they finished like seventh or eighth in the West, I still wouldn't pencil them in as a first round loss because either one of those guys, Westbrook or Durant, could completely take over a seven game series by themselves or together. So I think no matter what happens with them in the regular season, they're going to be really dangerous in the playoffs. But I get what you're saying. If things do go wrong in the playoffs for them or do go wrong throughout the regular season, Suddenly, they have a really crazy summer ahead of them. I disagree with only one thing you said, and that's that if they finish with the eighth seed, we can go ahead and pencil them in for a loss. Well, yeah, if they got the Warriors, then uh, yeah, I'll give you that. Because at this point, it feels like we can just go ahead and assume that the Warriors are winning the championship and everyone else is playing for second. Yeah, I will grant you that. They've been unbelievable. Let's advise, uh, revise our Warriors predictions. How many wins are they getting this season? Go ahead, Andy. I'm still like gun shy. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 65. That might I'm going, sound crazy, but I'm going 70 plus officially. <laughs> I had them at like 62 or six. I said they were gonna win a few. It kind of seems last like year. they want it to to shut I'm going, people up. I'm, well, you know what? I'm I'm looking at the way they handled that Pelicans game where they were clearly gonna win the second time they faced the Pelicans, but uh, Luke Walton uh, kept. Uh, Stephen Curry out on the floor in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying that's going to happen every night, but the Warriors just look angry at the rest of the league. Uh, you know, forget regression. You know, they're talking about they're better than last year. If they stay they healthy, they are. They, they are better than last. Without Bogut, 
Yeah. So it's just I'm going seventy. I'm going. On, I'm I'm revising my prediction to say they're going to hit seventy. So I said sixty-eight before the season started, and I got to go up from there. Um, I want to say I want to say seventy-three. I think they can wow. do it. Can I go on the record and say that they're going to do it? You should yeah. probably go put money now, <laughs> just in case. If I could, I think I would because gonna, I do think this team is better, and I think that that Clay Thompson hasn't actually played as well no, as he could true. at all yet. Oh. I mean, there's there's going to be some regression from Steph, but this team is just in a different echelon than everybody else. And they like like Dan said. I mean, when I said 68, I said that the biggest concern was complacency because they might they might just want to play for the playoffs and know that it doesn't matter if they're the two or three seed or whatever. They're still going to be the best team in the playoffs. This team wants to break that record. Yeah, you they can do. tell there's definitely no complacency. And they they has, were not happy with all the comments in the summer and the preseason. And can we really name, again, including Steph in this, how many of their guys are playing up to snuff relative to their own standards right now? Harrison Barnes hasn't been that great. Clay Thompson hasn't been that great. Draymond Green's been a defensive stud, but his offense just seems really weird. Festus Azili might be playing above his head a bit. But this team, it, it's not even that they're better than last year is that they're already better than last year and they could still get better yeah i mean we haven't even seen like jason thompson play like he's actually an nba rotation guy and he he hasn't gotten off the bench for them yet what if luke walton is just the key to everything well this is i feel like this this whole thing with steve kerr is going to screw them over because now some nba team is going to come and poach luke walton over the summer (laughs) did you guys hear about uh luke's Dad, obviously Bill, used to put John Wooden quotes on his lunch bag every day before school. <laughs> That's amazing. I think that came out this week. That. And then it was very clear to me why he's been so good. If you're around I I Bill I... your whole life, you're just going to be filled with juicy nuggets about basketball. <laughs> Absolutely. So before we go too long, I wanted to ask you guys what your absolute favorite moment has been from the first week. I'm not Is there one say, that just stands out? I'm not going to say it's the Kristaps Porzingis put back over LaMarcus Aldridge, <laughs> but it's a plot. Okay, I think that's fair. Mine's you got one, Andy? One singular moment. Uh, it's got to be something with Steph Curry. I can't decide if it's his huge quarter <laughs> against the Pelicans or it, just taking it, over well, against the Clippers. Looking- I think the the defining moment of this season thus far, and what may end up being the defining moment of the entire year, is that pass he made against the Pelicans. <laughs> was it Azili? I think that caught that no look pass. Oh, that yeah. was absolutely absurd. that was yeah. Amazing. That was an insane moment. For me, I'll, I'll go a little more off the wall here. It was during the uh, Boston Celtics Indiana Pacers game. Um, I think it was at the end of the first half when Jay Crowder was inbounding the ball and literally threw it 94 feet and it went in. And that's a turnover because <laughs> you can't make it from out of bounds, but that might be the greatest turnover in NBA history. That one was nice. For me, I, I love that. I love that. I've watched that Vine so many times now. Um, I, there's just been so many crazy moments already. This season's going to be great. Uh, for the most part, we'll have Stephen Curry probably to thank for that. <laughs> but we have gone a little bit longer than usual, which... I guess means that we should really move on to... Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! 
Yes, it is once again time for another edition of Burns My Bacon. Uh, I'm going to be grabbing the bacon stick and talking tonight. And our honorary topic, or dishonorable topic, is Derek Rose, who has been absolutely horrendous through five and six games with the Bulls. He, he's shooting well under 35%. Uh, he isn't shooting as many threes as he did last year, which is probably good, but he hasn't made one either. So there's also that. I'm still amazed at how relevant he is just in the NBA conscious in terms of there are rumors about him where he's he's also commenting about cashing in on 2017 free agency. Brian Winhurst of ESPN.com the other day said that we're beginning to see the, the, the divorce of the Chicago Bulls and Derrick Rose. Who freaking cares? This guy isn't even a top 15 point guard anymore. He's just another player. And it's unfortunate he's had these injuries, but maybe we also overrated him from the beginning. But let's just drop it. Who cares about his feud? He's not a franchise guy anymore. And we still give him this superstar treatment because he had, I don't know, let's be honest, two really good seasons. Two. Over a span of how many years has he been in the league now? It's been about eight, closer to a decade. The Derek Rose talk just needs to go away permanently. The, I love the the Brian Windhorst thing that they've already started their divorce proceedings or whatever. Who on earth is going to trade for that contract? It's, it's not even That's... that. It's... <laughs> yeah. well, the Mavericks have a thing about injured point guards, too, who are underachieving. So they've maybe already they're... got their own, though. Maybe, maybe Cuban would want to double up on that. Sixers need a point guard. I can't imagine anybody no, taking that McConnell salary. is awesome. I agree with That's that. That's true. <laughs> I just, who cares, though? Windhurst was essentially saying because Derrick Rose's contract is immovable, the Bulls and Rose aren't going to be together in 2017, probably. Cool, great. Let's go talk about another bottom 10 starting point guard. Yeah, he's, he has this year and next year, and then he'll oh, be a okay. free agent. It's shorter than I thought it was then. I, if he has to dramatically change the way that he plays to be to stay a relevant point guard because he still tries to do a lot of the things that he did before the injuries. Um, and it just does not work for him anymore. And he, he's got to become like, <laughs> and I don't think this is in his DNA. I just don't think it'll happen, but he's got to become just like a floor general and he's not showing anything close to that right now. Now that we've got that smelly burnt bacon in the air, we can close this podcast. If you want to defend Derek Rose, as I'm sure some of you are want to do, you can find us on Twitter. Adam is at Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-09. Dan is at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. And the three of us are at Hardwood Knox. Uh, we'll continue to come at you throughout the season uh, with what's going on in the NBA, our opinions, and we, we love to talk to you about it. So make sure and interact with us uh, on Twitter or here, and we will have another episode for you shortly. Shout out, Bino Udri. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month.
Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Napa know-how. This month, at your local Napa Auto Care Center, when you get a premium oil change with a cabin air filter, you also get a $15 mail-in rebate, which means the pros do the job and you get paid. Wait, what? Get your premium oil change and a cabin air filter and save 15 bucks at Napa Auto Care. Quality parts installed by the pros. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Care Centers. Offer ends 4 Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.